Join with me in Philippians, uh, just thankful for Jesus Christ. I, I think every day I wake up and I say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for what you've done in our lives, and thank you for your presence. And I think as Paul writes in the book of Philippians, you know, and he writes this in, in, uh, uh, from really incarceration, and, and he over and over and over again, he talks about joy and rejoicing and being joyful. And I'm just so thankful that even in the midst of something like this, that, that he could say, church, be joyful. Uh, be, be willing to give uh, thanks for all great things that he has done. If we, as we've journeyed through this book of, uh, of Philippians, we've seen that we have been encouraged to be joyful. And I'm thankful for the joy of the Lord. As a matter of fact, Nehemiah says it like this, and I think it might be Bethany LaValle's favorite verse, Nehemiah 8.10. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them, for whom nothing is spared, for this, is the, for this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Is that right or no? All right. And so I just thank the Lord that God's reminded us that this joy of the Lord is strength, it strengthens us. And for many, uh, this joy of the Lord uh, is much, uh, much really an enigma. We don't understand it. How, how can we know God? How can we really understand the joy of the Lord? And as Paul used, uh, and he works here in to, to bring out this need for joy, he begins really to demonstrate our need to know God. I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful for the Lord. You know, we can know God. We can know Him intellectually. Uh, a matter of fact, uh, I think there's a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of people who claim to know God intellectually, but they don't know Him uh, as their Savior. And he discovered that really that this relationship that he craved couldn't be found in the law. If you look in Philippians chapter 3, we see in verses 5 through, uh, through about number 9 that he just said everything, all these things I sought after. He said, I was a, a Jew. He was a, a Jew of the Jews, if you will, concerning zeal, persecuting church, in, in verse 6, touching righteousness, which is the law, blameless. He says, listen, I tried everything I had, could to be able to experience and to know God, but I couldn't outside of salvation. And so verse number 9, he says this truth. And be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness. In other words, I couldn't work for it. I couldn't earn it. I couldn't attain it, which is of the law. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. He says, when I put those self-grandizing ideas away and I chose to just know Him on His terms, then I experienced the joy of the Lord. You know, being, being in Christ, being willing to just follow the Lord, as he says here, being found in Him, is, reminds me of 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And so, in our quest to know the Lord, and our desire to know Him, I want to point us to what Paul wrote in Philippians 3, 10, and 11. That will be our text for this evening, for our message. Philippians 3, 10 says, That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Let's stop and pray together. Father, thank you for this text of Scripture, Lord, for uh, just Paul's encouragement to us as a church. And I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in our life. And I just pray that, Lord, uh, that you would allow us, Lord, to have a hunger and a thirst for you like never before. Truly, Lord, we live in a time, uh, Lord, where we need you now. Uh, in our life, in our country, in our world. And I'm reminded that, God, we have the answer to what the world craves today. 
Lord, and if my people, which are called by name, would just humble themselves, Lord, you can do the healing. And so we just bow before you tonight. Ask you, Lord, for healing, healing of hearts, and that you would heal those, uh, uh, our apathy, Lord, and replace our apathy with a, a great, firm desire to know you and to spread that with others. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And Paul says that I may know him. I want to just clarify a statement here. He is not saying uh, that, uh, that he might know him as far as salvation. He's already dealt with that in verse number 9. And so as he says here in verse number 9, he says, and, I, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And so he's not dealing with righteousness. And he says, but that I may know him. And so he's dealing with this, uh, this need to know God intimately, to know Him personally. I, I appreciate what F.B. Meyer said. He says, we may know Him personally, intimately, face to face. Christ does not live back in the centuries, nor amid the, amid the clouds of heaven. He is near us, with us, compassing our path and our laying down, and acquainted with all our ways. But we cannot know Him in this mortal life except through the illumination and teaching of the Holy Spirit. And we must surely know Christ, not as a stranger who turns into inner knowledge, of, of those whom he counts his own familiar friends, whom he trusts with his secrets, who eat with him of his own bread. To know Christ in the storm of the battle, to know him in the valley of the shadow, to know him when the solar light irradiates our faces or when they are darkened with disappointment and sorrow, to know the sweetness of his dealings with bruised reeds and smoking flax, to know the tenderness of his sympathy and the strength of his right hand, all this involves many varieties of experience on our part, but each of them, like the facets of a diamond, will re reflect the prismic beauty of His glory from a new angle. Knowing God. I want to know Him. And this is a man, Paul, as he writes, that I may know Him, a man that probably we would look at and say, this guy, if anybody knew God, Paul knew God. If anybody knew what it was like to, to walk with, the, with, the, with God on a daily basis, it had to have been the Apostle Paul. I mean, he wrote uh, the, the majority of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul knew what it was to suffer with, with Christ, and he knew what it was to walk with Him, and, and even to see Him face to face when he was saved there on that road to Damascus. And we see that, that Paul obviously was a guy who should have been able to say, I know Him already, let me tell you about Him, but instead that I may know Him. He, he hungered for Him even more. And so we see here uh, that, that he talks about a couple of things in this knowing and he desired that we might desire to know him in the same way. And the first one we see that he desires to know his power. You know, religion is popular today, isn't it? Having faith, uh, specifically faith in, in Eastern religions today is very popular. And last week we talked about the New World, or New World Order East, uh, and other issues. But listen... Uh, it's not religion that saves. Many people are satisfied with rights. They're satisfied with systems and regulations. But a Christian wants to know Christ more intimately, more like a friend. One man said, you, we should never rest until we know him as, our, as we know our friend and be able to read without speech the movements of his soul. Do you know him today? The word know in verse number 10 is translated from the Greek word gnosko, which means to be familiar or, uh, or acquainted with. And it can speak of having a trans, uh, transcendent knowledge, but it also speaks of having a, an intimate bond, a relationship, a friendship. And Paul is saying that he wants to know 
Christ in such a way that he knows his power. And it starts with that relationship. In verse number 10, we see, especially in this first verse, that he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And this is, the, uh, this is obviously knowing Christ through the power of the salvation that uh, Christ brought in his life. But also more than that, Christians should uh, desire to know Christ in a life-shaping way. Has he changed your life? Has he made it different? 1 John chapter 4 and verses 7 through 9 teaches, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that knoweth not God, excuse me, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In these verses, we see that we're reminded that there is a distinction here. God makes a difference in our life. And when we come to Jesus Christ as our Savior, we see the love of God in Him, and then that, as a result, is reflected in our life as well. There should be a, a, a desire, a, a love for Him. John Milton said, The end of all learning is to know God, and out of that knowledge to love and imitate Him. Is that your desire? When C.H. Spurgeon was 20 years old, in the very beginning of one of his sermons, he said, There is in contemplating Christ a balm for every wound. In musing on the Father, there is quietus for every grief. In the influence of the Holy Ghost, there is a uh, balsam for every sore. Would you lose your sorrow? Would you drown your cares? Then go. Plunge yourself in Godhead's deepest sea. Be lost in His immensity. And you shall come forth as from a couch of rest, refreshed and invigorated. I know nothing which can uh, so comfort the soul, so calm the sweet uh, swelling billows of sorrow and grief, so speak peace to the winds of trial as a devout musing upon the subject of the Godhead. Do you know Him? Many churches and, and many Christians today are just satisfied with the superficial. We want to hear a sermon that meets my felt needs today. And what happened to the doctrines? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God as profitable for doctrine. As a church, we've got to remember that God's called us to still to adhere to the doctrines of the Scripture and to study those things and to say, this is what, who God is, and God has revealed Himself. And when we know God intimately, we're, we learn then that, that even no matter what the trial may come, that we can have comfort and peace in our soul. And that's why Christ is able to say, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, heavy laden and I will give you rest. Because when you know Him intimately, when you know Him personally, there is rest for the soul. And when you know of His might and His power throughout the last few months, my desire has been to make God big. You know, because I know when God is big, my problems are small. I've got a big God and small problems. Do you have big problems and a small God? I tell you, when we know Him, it doesn't matter what happens that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection. And let's see that God wants us to know Him through His resurrection because Paul gladly exchanged his uh, inability for Christ's resurrection power. Remember, he had just recounted all these lists of things, all these things that he said, I tried all these things and guess what? I failed at them all. He says, all these things left me short. I didn't really know God. I, I just knew about a religious system. But here he says that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. When he put his faith in Christ, there was a difference in his life. He knew God. This word power is translated from the Greek word dunamis, which means a strength, a power, or ability. It carries the idea of a power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. Imagine God tonight. 
This is the power of God at work in our lives through the Holy Spirit, and God has made this available to us. And I think about Ephesians 3.20, and he says uh, that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the same power that works in us. We can, we can trust in the Lord tonight. And if you want to know Him, I tell you, get in the Word of God. There's no greater place. And, and I, I get discouraged when people say, well, I was reading this article on the Internet. What, what does the Bible say? I don't care what uh, some, some person put on the Internet. I want to know what does the Bible say? What's it teaching you here? Get in the Word of God tonight. Let me just encourage you, find uh, and search out for yourself who He is. We see that when we come to Christ, we see that resurrection power, it provides us renewal in our life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, it says, Knowing that He which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you, for all, these, all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man pe- perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Feel worn, worn down outwardly? Do you feel like your body is tired and exhausted? Be renewed by the God's uh, power in your life. Be renewed spiritually uh, by getting in to know Him more intimately. Resurrection power provides the, uh, what we need for ministry. You see, our Christian influence is not, uh, is not bought, uh, you know, and it cannot be earned, but it's given by God. And God calls us as a church to influence the world around us, to be salt and to be light. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirits and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He says, listen, I just trusted in the power of God to to change the hearts. It wasn't my ability and my cunning ability to be able to, to interact with you, but instead it was just... The Word of God, that's the, that's the power of God's Word tonight. It can truly allow us to be able to see people saved. I was so blessed last Wednesday uh, when Sister M- Missy texted me and said a young man got saved after church. And what a blessing it was. I, how long were y'all here afterwards? 45 minutes or so. And before church, so we got to spend some time witnessing to him, uh, Brother Baxter and myself and Sister Leandra who brought him. In, and we just saw this young man just... Uh, every angle, every facet. I was just so thrilled to see our church family, all of them concerned about this young man's soul. And, and as, we, as we saw the Lord work a mighty work, I can tell you that it's not because we're brilliant, it's because we love the Lord and we trust in the power of Christ. Remember, Paul wrote, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That's the power we carry with us. Listen, Christ said that the uh, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church today. But the problem is, is that we're moving backwards because we're fearful. We've got to move forward with the gospel and say, God, listen, we want to trust you. We're going to move forward in this power, in the truth that this world that is in anarchy today needs Jesus Christ now more than ever before. It's not time to pull back, but a time to press forward. A time to say, Lord, we want to trust you. We want to know you. We want to know this power of God. And there's no greater place. And I just reflected on this uh, as, I was, as I was praying today. There's no greater miracle than the miracle of a soul that is saved. 
You know, we rejoice when we see uh, buildings paid off, amen? And I'm thankful we're getting pretty close here at Hillside. And, and I'm thankful that we're, we're looking at uh, having it paid off in the next year, maybe year and, and a couple of months, all of our buildings and properties being completely debt-free. Praise the Lord for that. But let me just say that, 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 thing, that is not near as exciting as a soul that comes to Jesus Christ because the Bible says as all of heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. Folks, that's the power of God that, we, that Paul is talking about. He says that I may know the power of His resurrection. He knew it at salvation, but he says I want to see it time and time again because this, this is what we need in today's generation. This is what we need in this world that the church might once again say, Lord, we want to see the power of God resting upon this place that we might go forward by faith and not cower in fear. Verse number 10 in the second part, he says, And the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto his death. You see, because not just his power, but we need his presence. You think about this. When we know that... You, you ever, you, do you remember as a kid being scared of the dark? I remember there was times where I got scared of the dark and, and I would want my dad with me when I went into the dark. I couldn't see any better, but see, his presence walking with me through the darkness gave me confidence to go forward. Church, let me remind you that God is with us. And we may be facing dark days ahead. And even one of, one of our church members told me Sunday, I wouldn't want to have kids today. I said, listen, listen, even though it's dark days today, with the presence of the Father, we have nothing to fear. Do you know Him like that? Do you know what it is to know the fellowship of, of, the, of the Savior today? Because this is a personal fellowship that God says, when God says, no matter what, I will be there. He says, I am your shepherd you're not going to want for anything. He says, I'm going to lead you beside the still waters. I'm going to nourish your soul. I'm going to take care of you. And when you go through the valley, he says, don't worry how dark it may get because my presence is promised with you. This word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia, which is translated as communion, communication, even contribution and distribution. Listen, it's this word of, of having this sweet fellowship together. Paul walked with Christ. He prayed. He obeyed His will. And he sought to glorify His name. When he was living under law, all Paul had was a set of rules. But now he had a friend. He had a master. He had a constant companion. That's what Christ was to Paul. That I may know Him. The power of His resurrection. The fellowship of His sufferings. I want that. Uh, uh, John Milton, or excuse me, John Wesley said this. I want the whole Christ for my Savior. The whole Bible for my book. The whole church for my fellowship. And the whole world for my mission field. How much of Christ do you want tonight? Do you hunger for His presence? Do you hunger to be near Him? I, I tell you, I just think about when Paul was in the dark uh, place of that dungeon cell in Acts 16. And as Paul and Silas were locked up there in those chains, and at about midnight, the Bible says they prayed and sang praises to the Lord. They knew who was there. They knew that His presence was with them. They didn't have anything to fear. They could have been facing execution. They could have been facing stonings. Who knows what the next day. But they said, you know what? We're just going to pray. We're going to praise and we're going to sing. And the whole place was shaken as a result of their faith. I dare say most of us, if we were locked up, would not be in that same predicament. Most of us would cower in fear because we don't know His presence. Do you know His presence? There's an experienced fellowship here. Because we often learn about the most about Christ during our times of trial, don't we? There's no greater time to know 
Christ than when you're going through suffering. I think about the many uh, believers, and I, I one, my mind goes back to Brother Ben Black, and as we watched him as a church uh, just go through different uh, trials and, and tribulations, and Sister Sherry walked with him faithfully through all of those, and we watched him go through those different parts of his journey. And as he went through there, you could tell that he fellowshiped with the Lord. Not a perfect man, but a man who loved God. And he knew his presence was there with him. Do you have that confidence? Do you know that God is with you? Philippians reminds us of this truth right here, that Christ is that constant companion in the midst of our trials. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 through 4 says, Looking unto Jesus. Man, I think if we were just to stop right there, we could make that our slogan for our church, looking unto Jesus. We just want to keep our eyes upon Him. Whatever it is that He wants us to do, we want to obey it. Looking unto Jesus. Why? Because He is everything. This is what He says, The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not resisted unto blood striving against sin. Listen, Christ, he, he knew what it was to suffer. And I thank the Lord for Hebrews 4.15 where he says, We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. You see, Christ knows. He's been there. He, he doesn't look at our situation and say, well, no, you're in some sort of a unique thing. I, I wouldn't have a clue how to, how to handle that. He knows. And He promises His presence to walk with us through it. Do you know that fellowship? Do you know Him? Helen Lemiel, Lemiel I'm not sure how you say her name, uh, but she was a Christian singer and a voice teacher. And a friend of hers gave her a track, uh, gospel track entitled Focus. As she uh, looked at the track... She was just thinking about it, and the, folk, the, the theme of the track and part of it said, if you look full into his face, you will find that the things of this earth will acquire a strange new dimness. These words impacted Helen's life. And, and she said, and I quote, Suddenly, as if commanded to stop and listen, I stood still. And singing in my soul and spirit was the chorus, not one uh, conscious moment of putting word to word to make rhyme or note to note to make melody. This powerful song was published and distributed wide, wise, uh, widely and continues to be used around the world in churches. And tonight we sang it. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No, not, no light in the darkness you see? There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. When you walk through times of great trial, be reminded that God promises to walk with us. His presence is near us. We see here in verse number 11, not only do we know His power, we know his, his presence, but we also see we can know His perfection. What a glorious day it's going to be. Can you imagine that day? I love to sing that old song, Face to face with Christ my Savior, face to face what will it be? Man, what is it going to be like when we see Him face to face? 
uh, made popular lately in the last decade or so was the song, uh, By Mercy Me, I Can Only Imagine. And it, you know, and in, in that song he says, I can only imagine while I stand in his presence to my knees while I fall. You know, the, the reality is it's going to be hard to imagine exactly what's going to go through our hearts on the day that we see our Savior finally face to face. And Paul said, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He had a spiritual goal here. There wasn't doubt here. This, he wasn't saying, listen, I've got some doubt. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it or not. Because if Paul was doubtful, I guess then we would all have to be doubtful. But the reality was, he said, listen, this is what has brought me to this confidence that I know I will be there. A spiritual goal we see here that he had in his life was to attain. This is to achieve or to accomplish, that is, even to reach by efforts. Paul never got over his own unworthiness to be a child of God. You think about Paul, he said, I am the least of the apostles. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 9, he says, For I am the least of the apostles that am not me to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And he, he said, listen, there, there's no way I could even be called an apostle. I just, I, I'm just amazed that God would even save me. Do you, ever, do you ever stand in, in awe of the Lord and you think, man, Lord, how could you even save a sinner such as I? What great humility. God calls us to walk in humility with Him. Ephesians chapter 4, He, te he teaches us that that humility as we walk in grace is essential in a life, a life of a Christian. And because we see that when we walk in humility, we're putting away our self-righteousness and we're saying, God, let me just simply follow you. That's not my own ambition, my own desires or my own thing, but God, I just want you and you alone looking unto Jesus. I'm not looking everywhere else. Lord, I just want to look unto you. Let's talk about that eternal relationship. Because our relationship with Christ that begins with salvation will be fully realized when we get to heaven. What an incredible thing it will be. I, I just, sometimes I'm a little jealous that the, the apostles got to see Christ after His resurrection, that they got to walk with Him uh, on the road to Emmaus, or, or that they got to uh, see the nails in His hands. Man, what an incredible privilege, and yet Christ said to Thomas, Blessed are those that have never seen and yet still yet believe. Church, we're blessed tonight because we still believe, we still trust, and we're still trusting Him. One uh, Richard Mellick said this, At conversion, believers experience the power of a spiritual resurrection. They are given a new life. A new spiritual energy characterizes the new life in Christ. Yet this powerful life only begins at con conversion. Successively and progressively, the moral life must be changed. The physical body ultimately transformed and believers bought into the uh, eternal resting place of resurrection, heaven itself. Transformation does not happen at once. It culminates in the attaining of the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection occurs at the time of the Lord's return to the earth in 1 Thessalonians 4. And that will finalize the application of the resurrection power to the Christian. We are blessed because of this. Tonight as we consider that we have this awesome opportunity to know Him. We know the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His, of his uh, sufferings and being made conformable unto His death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, we see that God has said, church, that we might know Him. As we consider this tonight, I just want to draw you to this. Do you hunger for Him tonight? 
Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 says that God continues to work in our life. And he says, And being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And God is working in lives and hearts and desires to, for us to know him. Remember in James, he says, Draw nigh unto me, and I will draw nigh unto, unto you. And so God says, Listen, I don't want to be an enigma in your life. I don't want to be something you don't understand. But instead, I want you to know me, the power of that, that resides through the resurrection. And church, we can know him. And so the question that Lee rings loudly today, why? Why do we continue? Matter of fact, uh, this afternoon after I, I was just reading some, some news and different things that's going on, I ran across an article from a person who was supposedly a, a Christian uh, pastor of some sort. I'm not sure exactly what she was, but uh, she said this. It seems like an important qu- time to ask an important question. Is the recalcitrance of Christians and predominantly evangelical Christians to wearing masks and limiting the church going, killing their neighbors? Or alternatively, why is it such a big deal for churches and and the faithful to wear masks for worship online at home? I tell you, that question was not asked by a believer. We know what it is to worship the Lord. We know what it is when we get to come together in a place and we get to be encouraged and strengthened by the fellowship of the believers. Because where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst. And though, you know, I'll be honest, as a pastor's heart, sometimes you look out and you see the empty pews and you you can look out and you get discouraged seeing people who are missing. But I'm reminded that no matter if we're two, three, or 3,000, God promises His presence in this place. Do you know why I want to be here? I want to be here because He commanded me. I want to be here because I need to be renewed. I want to be here because I want to see the power of God resting upon this place. I want to be here because I want to know Him and to know Him better than I'd ever known Him before in my life. And so as we look at this together, I want to ask you, why are you here tonight? Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, what are you focused on tonight? What is your hunger for? What do you desire? Would you bow your head with me this evening? As we consider the truth that Paul said that I may know him, let me ask you, do you know him? This relationship with God starts at salvation. And it starts when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And it starts there. But really, that's, that's just the, the beginning stages of this knowing God. Because God says that, that we can know Him, know His power, know His presence, know that He is perfect. Do you know Him? Do you know Him tonight? Do you hunger for Him now in this time? Do you hunger to know Him more intimately now than ever before? I implore you, right where you're at, even in your pew, online, or even here at the altars, would you come? Would you come and say, God, that I might know you.